I feel like we as people navigate and walk through life with this mask on. I know it's really relevant to today, but it's not a physical mask. And it's damn sure not that mask that people are suddenly feeling like they're oppressed having to wear one. But it's that it's that mask that we wear that hides who we really are. It covers up our insecurities. We're afraid to be open and honest, so we hide behind this mask. It blocks our growth and it doesn't allow us to be vulnerable. So I wanted to create a space where people can remove that mask and be honest, be open, be vulnerable, and be themselves. That brings us to this. This is the space. Everything on my podcast is by submissions only. Anonymous voice memos about anything that you want it to be about. You can tell a story about yourself, a specific incident, or you can vent anything. I'm just a host. There is no dialogue. It's not about me. I just want you to talk. To the voices that I've already received, I appreciate you all. Thank you for helping me start this off. And it means a lot. With all of that said, welcome to the Honest Expression Podcast. Oh, yeah, bring it in. Thank you to my guy, my favorite artist, Dante. He already knows that's my shit. I will link his music with the podcast. Thank you for helping me bring in episode one. I just want to get straight into it. Voice one. I went to a white high school. I had lots of white friends, obviously. That's who the school was made up of. I never dated outside my race. Never. I just couldn't believe that a non-black person could authentically love me for me. All of my white friends at one point or another have shown themselves to be unsafe with regard to certain topics. Those that I have let come in very close have let me down the most. They act as though I'm being overly sensitive about topics of race and racial injustice. And as awful as it sounds, it makes me really glad that I never fell in love with someone outside my race. That's life. You don't know it all, that's life. Hi, I think I should start off by saying that I am a white woman who has grown up in predominantly white communities. I was 19 years old when I first heard the term white 
privilege. I attended Whatcom Community College, where I joined the Activities, Programming, and Diversity Board, which is actually where I met Daryl. Um, and through this committee, I was able to attend the Student of Color Conference, which is where about 800 or so students of color from community colleges across Washington State gather to discuss racism, oppression, black history, white supremacy, white privilege, and white fragility. I was maybe one of 50 white students who attended this conference, and it was the most eye-opening experience I have ever had in my life. I learned more in these three days than I ever had throughout my entire public education. And I learned just how naive and how ignorant and how much I have not only contributed to racism, but also benefited, blatantly benefited by the color of my skin. And I left thinking and replaying moments and interactions throughout my entire life where I had either been racist or had benefited because of my privilege. One example of white privilege I'm going to share is I was 18 and my friends and I, we went to Sasquatch, which is a music festival in Washington where you go and you camp for a few days and you get to see a variety of artists play. And it's just this giant party all weekend long. Uh, one of the afternoons, my friends and I, we got tired of eating cup of noodles. So we decided to go to the nearby town and grab burgers and swim in the state park for a little bit. And on the way back, we decided that we, sh we needed to play catch up because the rest of our friends at the campground were going to be wasted by the time we got back. So I remember we were slamming beers and drinking vodka. Uh, it's me and three other white people. And besides the driver, we are all drunk. And I remember specifically we were listening to No Air by Jordan Sparks. So we're in the car just singing, how am I supposed to breathe with no air when we turn around and we see that a cop is pulling us over? We instantly panic because we are all underage. We are all very blatantly drunk and there are empty beer cans and bottles littering the car. I remember trying to cover up some beer boxes with my legs so that the police couldn't see it when you pulled us over. And I remember thinking shit, my parents are going to be so pissed at me. I'm about to get an MIP and I, I'm, I'm going to be grounded till the end of time. I didn't once think that my life was in danger. I didn't once think that nothing bad would happen to me besides my parents' repercussions. And he, he comes to the window, we roll it down, and he asks, do you guys know how fast you're going? And of course, we didn't know. We were just in there having a good time. And, you know, he lets us off with a warning. We all thought, oh, my gosh, we're so lucky. I can't believe that just happened. And, you know, we, we get to Sasquatch and we continue partying like nothing ever happened. We got to go home. We never had to think about this again. You know, Nothing, no repercussions came of this whatsoever. I never had to tell my parents this happened. We were completely fine. And in the wake of George Floyd's murder, I'm thinking back and here we are, four white kids 
wasted out of our minds singing how am I supposed to breathe with no air when George Floyd's last words were I can't breathe before he was killed by the police. The juxtaposition between these two encounters with the police is truly sickening. And this is white privilege. This is happening every single day. And this is just one example of my white privilege. I'm experiencing white privilege every single day. By being born white, I am born into racism, which is why it is so important to be an ally and to be actively anti-racist, not just today, but every single day. We need to listen. We need to learn and unlearn and educate ourselves. We have to call out racist behaviors. We have to stand up for injustices. And we have to grow with humility when we're called out on our own racism. I recently heard the metaphor comparing racism to the matrix. I heard it from Ellie Irons. She said that we have to unplug to see the world and the white supremacy for what it truly is. Then we have to plug back in to this world to help abolish our white supremacy systems and our racist behaviors and ideas. That's In June 2007, I found out who I was. <laughs> I found out exactly who I was. Um, at the time, I was 19 years old. And like most 19-year-olds, I like to hang out with my friends. And like most 19-year-olds, I like to get into trouble. <laughs> I like to do things I wasn't allowed to do. Such as drinking, smoking, partying, all of the above. Um, plus, I was in college, <laughs> you know, so I think it was a little bit more accepted. But uh, either way, some friends and I, during the summer, we decided that we were going to go to the lake to to just really hang out, you know, um, because we were bored. And so it was about seven of us. We hopped in the car, and uh, we went to the lake. And we stopped by the liquor store on our way, uh, picked up some cheap alcohol, and, uh, yeah, continued on our journey. You know, we were lucky enough we had a neighbor who was actually willing to uh, purchase the alcohol for us, and he went with us to the lake as well, so... You know, it was one straight shot. We get to the lake. We're all having a good time. There's a volleyball being tossed in the air. I'm sure there's a frisbee being thrown. You know, everybody's having a good time. You know, hardly anybody's actually even drinking. You know, we're we're merely sipping just to kind of relax because we're awkward teenagers. But either way, um, we were sure to kind of seclude ourselves from any other parties and things like that. We didn't disturb anybody or cause any disturbances or anything like that. We were we were actually pretty tamed <laughs> for uh for what we're we're used to. But either way, so we're all sitting there and um all of a sudden out of nowhere a young police officer walks up behind us and um he walks up behind me specifically and he actually scared everyone. We had no idea where he came from. He he completely blindsided us. And uh, he, he came up behind me and actually walked past us. 
Um, and after he got a few feet past me, he stopped. And he, like, turned and he looked at me and he said, what are you drinking? I was just like, oh, like, some Coke and alcohol. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you can't, like, be drinking at the lake. And I was like, oh, well, I did not know that. You know, I'll definitely pour it out. It's no biggie. And at the time, I looked actually older than I was. So I actually didn't expect him to take it any further. And he did. He asked me for my ID, you know. Um, and so I gave it to him, and he said, well, you know you're not allowed to drink. And I was just like, you know, yeah, I do. You know, I'm aware of that. But I didn't purchase it, you know. It just happened to be around, and, you know, I just got a hold of it. And so he kind of pulls me off aside, away from my friends, and he starts, you know, running his check, this, that, and the other. And he seems pretty cool, you know. And then he calls my roommate over to run a check on him as well. Um... And he runs our check, runs our name, realizes we don't, we've never been in any trouble, never had any issues with the law. And then he proceeds to give us MIPs, minors in possession, you know, of alcohol, which is a minor charge, you know, it's not that big a deal. Um, but there were seven of us total. The two black guys got the tickets and the five white people didn't even get approached. They all had cups in their hand. <laughs> Thank you. That's life. You don't know it all. That's life. Chase the bottle, take a flight, free your mind. Since I'm asking for your voice, I felt it was only fair that I give mine as well each week. Breen Brown had a TED talk called Listening to Shame, and she said, we cannot have a conversation about race without talking about shame, because you can't talk about race without talking about privilege. And when people start talking about privilege, they get paralyzed with shame. Why does the outcry of police support only ramp up when police are killing black people? And right after it happens, it's like, what are you saying that you are in support of? 13 days after George Floyd was murdered, I was asked to empathize with someone and her husband because her husband is a cop and they've been getting shit for those 13 days after we witnessed what happened. It was wild that this is someone who considered me as a friend. It wasn't wild that she said that. I mean, we see... We're, we're online. We see what people are saying. We see how ignorant people are. But it was wild that this is someone who considered me as a friend. And you're like completely missing the point. Don't know if it's on purpose or not, but you asking me what she was saying in that, in that moment was black man, stay in your place. How dare you think that your life is as important as a cop. Also, proximity to black bodies does not mean that you are anti-racist and it does not mean that you are in support or give a fuck about black people. This is why someone can be married to a cop 
and see a black person be murdered and then tell their so-called black friend to empathize with me and my husband because we've been getting shit. Daryl, you don't want my husband to come home at night? But it's okay if I don't come home at night. It was okay that George Floyd didn't go home that night. I know how I'm viewed. I know how I am viewed as a black man in America. I didn't just become a black man a month ago. We're not seeing, I'm not seeing anything new. What this person said to me is, is it's not new. In that same breath, she'll say, she said that she was an ally. She's always been an ally. Ally is a verb. Allies acknowledge that no matter the pain that they're feeling, they know the conversation isn't about them. The conversation is not about you. How you can still make it about you says a lot about you. Like, check your privilege. For real. What allies don't do is deflect the conversation and then yell, well, what about black on black crime? What allies don't do is they're not quick to bring up Chicago. You hear about one article that happens in Chicago and now, now it's, now it's, where are the protests out there? Where are all the celebrities and the riots and the burning down of buildings in Chicago? People who bring that up have never been to Chicago, don't know anybody in Chicago, don't know the demographics in Chicago, and want to speak on Chicago. You don't know shit about Chicago. You've seen one article. You wouldn't be able to understand the people who live in Chicago. They, they don't acknowledge the, the system that, that we're in. Because it's for them. They can't acknowledge the struggles that I have looking the way that I do. They can't tell you why why their projects are projects. They can't tell you why there are ghettos. They can't tell you about redlining because they don't give a fuck about that. They don't give a fuck about the communities in Chicago. They don't give a fuck about black communities anywhere. This is why they can sit up there and say, well, what about black on black crime? If you knew enough, you wouldn't say that shit. But also everybody around them feels the exact same way. So nobody's challenging her. They haven't done the work, and they too don't care. But it doesn't affect you. Only time people care is when it affects them. In this scenario, she was getting shit because her husband was a cop. And she wanted me to empathize with her and her husband. After we just seen somebody's father not making it home. We are constantly being ripped away, ripped apart from society and I the climate is interesting. What I can appreciate what's going on right now is that it's obvious what side people are on. 
no matter what you hear, there are only two sides, and that is the right and the wrong side of history. And we are seeing people fight to defend the wrong side of history right now. And stop giving these people examples to try to help them get it. They get it. They just don't give a fuck. And why should they? They're not the ones losing their lives. That's life. You don't know it all. That's life. Chase the bottle, take flight. Free your mind. Thank you to the voices for being honest, open, and vulnerable. If you would like to submit your voice, email me at honestexpressionpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll let Dante take us out. Thank you for listening. Chasing bottles, I've been running full throttle. Growing up too fast, tap you saying fuck tomorrow. I done lied, cheat, stole, trying to keep up with the motto that ain't honest. Nigga, what's your conscience like? Cut the nonsense, good guy who done lost his time. Now he monstrous.